to the E-Commerce Australia podcast. Welcome to E-Commerce Australia. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, founder of Remarkable Digital. This podcast is aimed at those who have their own online business, e-commerce professionals looking to keep current on the trends, and for anyone interested in learning more about the world of e-com. For those of you seeking direct assistance, Remarkable Digital is just a call away. Our mission is to be remarkable, doing great things for great people and great businesses. I understand how much choice you have and how many podcasts are out there, so I'm truly grateful you've tuned in. Please let me know if you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like covered. Let's get started. Very excited to have our next guest on the podcast. So Anita Sarkar is joining us for this episode of E-Commerce Australia and what a background and, and list of achievements she's put together over her career thus far. So founder of Olivia & Co, which she's since exited, owner and author of Sell Anything Online and FYI, check out the TikTok content for that. It is absolutely spot on and currently co-founder and CEO of Hero Packaging, which is Australia's first certified home compostable zero waste shipping mailer and packaging. And um, I believe also just become carbon neutral as a business as of last week. So all that plus a month to three. What an introduction and, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. That sounds great when you put it like that. But yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Really grateful, as I said off the top, to have someone like yourself come on and talk a little bit about e-commerce and and I, I guess a really important journey of, you know, of, of e-commerce in the packaging and how you guys are sort of changing the way that that's all done. Before we get into Hero Packaging and, and how that all started, do you want to just, for those who, who aren't aware of you, I'm sure there wouldn't be too many, but how did you kind of get to, to Hero Packaging and what's been your journey into e-commerce? So when I got out of school, I actually did just the good Indian girl thing, which was like I went into accounting. My mom had told me that that's my only option. It was accounting or medicine. And so I did the whole accounting thing and and then I hated it. I did it for six years. I hated it. And then I moved into media, took a $30,000 pay cut. I thought, you know what? Media sounds exciting. I'm going to do that. I hated that. Then I went into this random marketing job and I hated that. And I was thinking like, it's not the work because I loved media and it wasn't really the people because the people were great. And I couldn't put my finger on like why I was so unhappy. And I was, I think 26 years old or 27 and I was miserable. I couldn't find a job that I liked. I kept quitting everything. And my mom being an Indian doctor was really upset, really angry, (laughs) like you need to figure out what you're doing. And so I fell pregnant with my second daughter and I was in that marketing job and I thought, look, if I can just import stuff from Alibaba and sell it online, I reckon I could make some money. Like there are other people doing it. I'm going to give that a go. And I thought maybe I saw a company that was really taking off at the time, which was selling personalized goods online. And I thought, you know what, I reckon I could do that. And so I imported some products. I got this really shitty monogramming machine and I decided that I was just going to do it. And I put my products on eBay because I didn't know how to build a website. And I put my products on Etsy 
And all of a sudden I had like one order come through, two orders come through and I would dispatch those. And then I would like email those people and be like, oh my God, were you happy? Do you want to buy one for your mom? And all of a sudden, you know, that business kind of started taking off. And it was like just one of those moments where I thought, I am so happy doing this. This is what I want to do. I finally found why I was unhappy before and it was nothing to do with the product or the people or whatever. It was just working for other people and just wanted to control my own income, control what I did in the day and like how I could make sales myself. And yeah. And so that's kind of how I started my first business. Yeah. Fantastic. And was that Olivia and Co? Was that the first? Yeah. Yeah. That was Olivia and Co. It was named after my daughter. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And whilst doing that, was that how hero packaging started to come along as you were starting to send out more and more orders and then becoming more conscious of the the environment and, and the plastic and the waste that we're doing. Is that kind of how hero packaging come along as an evolution? Sort of. It wasn't really an evolution. It was a one-day moment where I okay. realised how bad it was. You know, when you're a small business and you're sending out orders, it starts with one or two orders and then it moves to 10 orders a day and then it moves to 20 orders and it keeps going up. And there are some processes you just don't change. And one of those processes for me was going to Australia Post and buying those single-use plastic prepaid satchels and just packing orders and then getting OzPost to ship them out or getting, you know, e-parcel to come and pick up parcels and take them. And that process never changed. I kept buying these single-use plastic mailers, packaging them up and then sending them out with OzPost. And there was a day where if you're an e-commerce business, you know this, but you get these Santa sacks where you stuff all of your packages in. And we had about six sitting there full of plastic mailers. And I was looking at it and I realized that those mailers, as soon as they get to someone's doorstep, they're going to be opened and then shoved into the bin. And it was that moment I was kind of horrified that that's me contributing to that. And it wasn't that I was super, you know, eco-conscious at the time. I knew that was wrong. I mean, everyone knows that's wrong. And I realized I was actually placing the burden on the customer where they open it and they've got to dispose of it. It's their fault, not my fault. And I thought, I reckon I could do something that's better than that. Let me just have a look if there's a solution, you know, for my business. And that's kind of where the idea of Hero started. Okay. Yeah, right. And so from there, what was the next step? So correct me if I'm wrong, but did you source some crowdfunding as well to sort of get started with Hero Packaging? No. So (laughs) we did crowdfunding (laughs) this year to scale Hero Packaging, but we started this business four years ago. When we started, I think we took around $20,000. I think it might have even been less than that to really get samples made. I think we took about $5,000 initially before the bulk order. And what we did was I just went straight to Alibaba because that's all I knew. And I was like, I reckon I could find something there. And I was like, sustainable packaging, sustainable mailers and things that were coming up that didn't look quite right. And so I did find someone through another Google search. And what I started to do was find manufacturers through Google rather than Alibaba. Alibaba was providing me with a lot of greenwashing. And so I contacted them. And when I contacted them, I used things like WeChat so I could kind of be in their native platforms and I would video call them to see their production lines because I wanted to see that what they were saying was accurate rather than just getting a text to say, yeah, we do sustainable packaging. But what we wanted to see was what were our options. And one thing that we came across was compostable packaging. And we didn't really understand it at the time. What we knew was it was partly made from renewable resources, which is like the cornstarch. 
So I thought if I could get the materials from one manufacturer and I could go to another manufacturer who makes plastic mailers, put those two together or send the materials to that manufacturer, they can make compostable satchels. And so that's what we did. And that was our first supplier. And we don't use him anymore because he turned out to be not very good. But since then, we did the same process. We really think about like how we can source manufacturers and then we take a little bit of money and test them out and then compost them ourselves. And if it's really great, we'll continue to use them. So we started out with about $5,000 to get samples here. And in that time, I remember thinking maybe I could ask other business owners if they wanted the same thing. It wasn't a business idea. It really was for Olivia and co to just have mailers that weren't going to go into the bin. And so I asked some other business owners and the way I did that was I just, I ran a Google ad for that and I led them to a landing page with a sign up form saying, do you want to try some free compostable mailers? And we got a thousand responses to that. And they, and I thought like, oh my God, Vic, this is my husband. I said, Vic, I think this is a business idea. And usually I have about like 19 of those a day. But that day he was like, that's a good one. And so I was like, great, let's do it. And we just ordered $20,000 worth of stock. And I was like, let's sell this. And yeah, so that's kind of the, that was the next stage of the whole thing. Oh, fantastic. That's a great story. And so is that Google ad still running? So how do you kind of find, is it now becoming a little bit more word of mouth? The more you send, the more people use it the more people inquire, like how is the next iteration of your business scaling? So the first thing is that when we created the product, what I knew to be true was that as soon as we created it, there was going to be a competitor or a few competitors in the market. And what they would do is create a safe version of compostable packaging, which they still have. So I decided that I wanted mine to be extremely socially shareable, I guess you would call it. And so I came up with colors and I thought if we could have compostable mailers, it's a big risk because I didn't know whether people were going to buy it, but we started with millennial pink. And because of that, we got so many social shares that organically we grew so quickly we got to, you know, 5,000 new customers and then they started to reorder because it's packaging, which was fantastic. And then I decided to bring out more colors and more colors and more SKUs. And I thought the more sort of bold and bright I am, the more shareable it is. And that means that the customer acquisition is cheaper for me rather than just always paying for customer acquisition. The organic social shares will get me more exposure. Yeah. Brilliant. And um, question without notice here, but do you do custom or is there a certain threshold of a quantity that businesses need to order if they wanted to do a custom print or anything like that or is it just the colours that you have? We do custom and we do it for a number of larger clients. And the reason I say larger clients is because the minimum is 10,000 pieces. So that is because we're limited by what our manufacturer can do. And the run has to be viable financially for them to run it and for us too. But you heard it here first. We are coming up with a solution to that, which will be done here, but I can't say any more than that because no one else knows except for you. I love it. But there is something in the works to actually do everything from here too, and we can do smaller runs hopefully. So that's pretty exciting. Very good and exciting for us too to have an exclusive. So I'll use that on a TikTok or a LinkedIn sort of (laughs) teaser campaign. Why not? Yeah. You mentioned some some of the big clients. So who are some of the bigger or or well-known sort of clients that use the Hero packaging at the moment? 
So our first big one that we got, and we just have to do a big shout out to them, is Bird's Nest because they're fantastic. They do women's fashion and they have been with us for such a long time. So Bird's Nest is a great one. Q, Veronica Main, we've got Beginning Boutique, and then, you know, we've got things like Rip Curl, um, Zane Robe. So a lot of clients who, you know, just want to have their name on compostable packaging. But I also want to do like a shout out to the small to medium-sized businesses because they're our real bread and butter. And if I'm honest with you, it's actually amazing to see small businesses want to change, even though compostable packaging is a roughly 20 to 30% more expensive than plastic packaging, you'll find that it's the smaller businesses that are willing to make those sacrifices and to change. So while those big names are great and we love them, we do, it's actually the small businesses that keep us going. Yeah, brilliant. And, you know, you're so right, even with my own experience, it's the smaller, more nimble ones that are really not interested, I guess, in that fast fashion, but more sustainable, ethical product. And they can probably pivot a little bit quicker as well. So that's a great point. Yeah. What's the user journey, Danny? If I'm a small business, medium-sized business, and I know I've, I've had this bit of an issue and I know we need to be more environmentally friendly, how do we start that process to transition over to hero packaging? It's probably the simplest thing that you can do as a business to be more eco-conscious. So you go onto the website and you purchase packaging like you would swimwear or you would a water bottle or whatever you buy online. And we've made it a very D2C style business as opposed to a B2B. You don't need to call anybody. You don't need to fill out any forms to get packaging. The difference though is in how you ship it. And I think people can get a little confused by this and it's a new normal and that everyone has to get used to. Usually what happens is small businesses, they go into an Ozpost and Ozpost will print out their shipping label and stick it on top and it's sent off. The issue with that is that Ozpost does that with the single-use plastic mailer. So that burden of plastic is on the consumer. So for us, what we ask is that you buy all the mailers from the website and then you either use Ozpost, which is, you know, you can get e-parcel or take it into a post office, or you can use something like Sendal or another courier service to come and pick up from your house. And so the process actually is not that different. It's just where you buy the packaging from. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And how quickly can you get the package into them? That's a great question because we just set up our own warehouse and uh, now we do same-day shipping for Sydney and hopefully we can do some micro-fulfillment in other metro cities around Australia, which is really cool. But otherwise, we have this system now, an inventory, uh, sorry, a shipping system where it dynamically chooses the best courier. So not only is it the most cost-effective, but it's the one that can get there fastest. So it'll either choose between Ozpost or Careers Please. It'll have Star Trek. There's all these other ones that it'll dynamically pick one and it'll get there if it's regular post, same thing, two to seven days, or if it's express, it's one to three days. Perfect. What a great question. Sounds like that was planned. but uh, Yeah, <laughs> it really wasn't. <laughs> it's really interesting to hear that how Hero Packaging is, has evolved and is continuing to evolve. Where do you see the business going in the next sort of 12 to 24 months? Is a, Are you bringing out a, a bigger range, a wider skew, or is it more around volume and getting more of those businesses to be a little bit more sustainable and ethical? Everything. I think the one thing that I really want to focus on is cash flow in the business 
and profitability. So it's a huge thing for us because of customer acquisition, as we know, is so expensive just to get that new customer. Now what I'm going to do is leverage all the new customers that we have received, which is about 20,000 new customers in the last 12 months. And we want to retain them and then, you know, increase our average order values and just make sure that we are optimizing what we currently have. So to better improve our cash flow and profitability. Another thing that we're doing is bringing in a ton of new products And those products, what we have done is really focused on building our products that we can have good margins on as well. We would love to wholesale those into other stores. It's not necessary for us, but it's something that we are going to consider. And I would say the third thing is the growth in America. So we have been, we've set up the warehouse there and we're sending more products there. And now it's just selling there. So it's thinking of out of the box strategies, almost like we're a new business and yeah. thinking of ways that we can grow there that's kind of cost effective which is actually quite a difficult thing to do because it's such a large market yeah yeah interesting it sounds like you've got plenty to to keep you busy yeah <laughs> so we touched on earlier in the podcast around shareability on social media and as i mentioned off the top you've got a, a fantastic kind of uh, or you've got a great instagram following in terms of hero packaging i think you're at almost 90k followers I love your content. The dance move you, you did the other day was uh, was pretty good. There was a couple that weren't quite in sync, but <laughs> who am I to judge? But what um, in terms of sort of e-commerce businesses more broadly, what in terms of social, what seems to be working for you at the moment? Is it TikTok? Is it Insta Reels? Is it YouTube Shorts? Combination of everything? Or where's your sort of time and effort in, in terms of social media marketing? Social media for us is such a big thing. And I would say content strategy is one of those things that I have no plan for. All I know is I've got to create a ton of content at any given point in time. And it doesn't matter whether I've got five minutes to spare or if I've planned it out for an hour or two, but I will get content out every day. And I usually pick three platforms and two of them I'm really comfortable with. And one of them, you know, I've got Instagram and LinkedIn I'm comfortable with. And one of them is TikTok and that I'm not comfortable with. And I think that's really important. I want to step outside of that comfort zone and try and get exposure where I didn't think I could. And so for me, it's like the continuous content creation every day. It's getting us this massive exposure just by creating, even if it's a seven second video, I can see how many people who are not following us that reached out to and is so exciting because I've not had to pay for that. So I would say in terms of a strategy, it's, I would say the biggest thing of all, if I could give you any advice, anyone listening is that stop being boring in your content. I think everyone is so scared of making you look great. And I think you should just put out content no matter what it is. I don't care, but stop being boring. And everyone is doing the same thing. You look at your competitors and you're like, okay, maybe I should do what they're doing. That looks good. And I'm going to quickly do that. But you should just do your own thing. Be really original. Think of things outside of the box, you know, and be real, have fun with it, but be really consistent and do it every day. That's such a great tip. Yeah. Cause I feel exactly the same way in terms of when I'm doing some content there's just a lot of talking head stuff or there's a couple of effects that kind of widely used in the digital marketing industry. And it's like, geez, I've got to be better. But like, at least if you're posting something, then I guess it's momentum. Then you can kind of shift the direction. If you're not posting anything at all, then, you know, you're just stagnant and not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. But really good points. And, and as I said, yeah, 
you're um for someone who's not comfortable on TikTok, I think you're doing a, a fantastic job and plenty of great tips on there as well. So have you done much in terms of sort of longer form content with YouTube and YouTube Shorts? Is that an area that you've sort of expanded into or? No, not yet. I think with Hero Packaging, we focus on kind of really short content. I have my other TikTok account, which is Sell Anything Online, and I've been thinking a lot about creating YouTube videos that are longer, more detailed. I think what people want to see are real, you know, things like how to create your first Facebook ad for e-commerce that people just don't know how to do. So what they do is they go and employ an agency and what they really need to do is that there's nothing wrong in employing an agency, but they should know what they're doing before they employ an agency. You can't just rely completely on them. So things like that I would love to do and create long-form video. The issue for me is time. And so yeah. I think I'll get out of this busy season and then when, you know, January to March, when it's a bit slower, that's the time that I'm going to start creating that sort of stuff. Yeah, perfect. A question that I have whilst talking to you has sort of popped in. It's like you've got so much on your plate not to mention the family side of things as well. How, from a, a high-performance viewpoint, how do you structure your day? Is it like 15-minute increments? Are you really rigid in your, in your calendar or is it quite open and flexible based on what's happening in the day? It has to be flexible. I yeah. cannot do what people do, like they wake up at 3 a.m., go to the gym, do the same thing every day, meditate. That has never happened to me. All I know is that the one thing we must do every day is pick up our kids after school and feed them together and have family time for four hours where we do not look at our phones. That's the one thing that I don't budge on. The rest of the day is completely flexible where we have the two of us and we're a good team and one of us will go to the warehouse or one of us will go to the office like we did today and then we'll switch up like who's managing staff today and who's going to be doing a podcast today and and we kind of like sort of switch it up based on what we can do and what our kind of strengths are and what we can manage. But I would say that I don't do 15-minute increments. I really would love to do that. But at this stage of my life, what I do is the night before I will have a a really comprehensive to-do list that I must get done the next day. And I don't break it up in time slots, but I just have that comprehensive list. Whenever I get five minutes, I will do things. And I always do all the crappy stuff first, always. Like in the morning, all the emails I don't want to answer, I will answer them first. Yeah. And then basically my whole day revolves around that 3 to 7 p.m. period. So if you ask me for a day in the life, it goes something like this, wake up and scramble and get the kids ready for school and they go to school. And then, you know, Vic will go to the warehouse and I'll either go to the office or I'll create content for a few hours. Then I'll do hero packaging work. Then we'll go pick up the kids, put them to bed. And then at night we work for about four hours or five hours and then we watch an episode of Real Housewives and then we go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, every day. What a day. What I really took away from that was that no matter how busy you are, content is still like pivotal and like blocked out and and pretty much a must do. And I think as business owners, e-commerce owners, we get so busy doing all the all the tasks that we need to do, and content's almost an afterthought. But it's it's refreshing to hear you say that it's it's kind of anything but that for yourself. The reason I do content and make it a priority is because I can see where it takes my business and also my other business. So I can, as you see the followers increasing and sales coming in from that content, it makes you want to do more of it. It's really hard to get started when you don't see any traction from it. 
But if yeah. you can get to your first 100 videos of wherever you are, you're going to start to see benefits from that. And then you're going to want to create more and more. And that's why I prioritize it. Fantastic. Oh, look, I've got one more question, then I'll let you get back to the warehouse, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're obviously coming to a really busy time of year with, um, you know, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Christmas, New Year, I think Singles Day, somewhere around there as well. How are you seeing the overall kind of e-commerce landscape? Do you think it'll be a bumper sort of e-com period over the next six to eight weeks like we've had in the previous years? Yeah, what's your sort of feel on the upcoming season and how busy it's going to be? Well, what we know is that last year was unprecedented growth for e-commerce, obviously. The sales period was bigger than Christmas and it almost replaced Christmas shopping So in that Black Friday, Cyber Monday time. that It's usually a two-week time frame. This year, it is going to be a little bit different, I think. Things have kind of gone a little bit backwards. While it's still growing and it'll be a big sales period, it's not going to be as big as it was last year. I think people need to understand that that's okay and everyone is feeling that. But I do think that people need to start getting prepared for it right now. I think that you need to really have a plan in place as to like what you want to give away or have a sale on or whatever, but plan for it from now. And I think that if you get people to your website first and then you start to retarget them all throughout the Black Friday, Cyber Monday period, it actually will really help you in terms of generating more sales and things like that. In terms of hero packaging though, you know, what we see in terms of waste at this point in time is a huge deal because businesses, what they do is they focus so much on this custom tissue paper, custom ribbon, you know, custom boxes, custom mailers. They get all this stuff because it looks really good and that unboxing experience is so exciting because people put it on Instagram and TikTok. And then what they don't see when the camera actually stops rolling, when the influencer or the customer stops that camera, all of that stuff, they take it and it looks so beautiful and it's just put into the bin. And so what I would say is that prepare your marketing from now, but also be really mindful about the waste that your business is creating during this time. Because remember, you're going to increase your sales. That means that's going to be more wastage. If you can just eliminate one piece of your packaging or one piece of something that you think is it may not be necessary, I would really appreciate it. Um, and I think that consumers really appreciate it too. Yeah, fantastic. And that's a great tip and, and probably a great close of the podcast. It's been, yeah, really really great to learn more about yourself, um, your businesses and doing something really great for the environment that I think is only going to get more and more mainstream or, or common as, uh, as I guess the next generation are starting to really demand that, that companies have that, that lens of sustainability and being environmentally friendly and carbon neutral. So you're ticking a lot of boxes there and doing a lot of good for the environment and for, for e-commerce in general. So Thank congratulations you. and yeah, looking forward to, watching the, the hero packaging story roll out to America and, and all parts of the globe. Awesome. Thank you so much. 